that was probably the biggest piece of the nerves besides actually like, oh, um, this is the U.S. Open, like on the tee now in the whatever U.S. Open. Like, I mean, hearing your name announced right there is pretty crazy. Just faking confidence, like walk up there with a little bit of swagger, even if you finish dead last in your last tournament, like walking up there with a little pep in your step, kind of puffing out the chest, lifting your chin up is worth so much. Today we are joined by Lainey Fry. Lainey is a junior at the University of Kentucky. As a junior golfer, she ranked 87th overall in the Golf Week Junior Rankings and was ranked 24th in her class. As a freshman at UK, she had a stroke average of 73.5 and had two top 10s, including a T6 at her first ever college event, the Blessings Collegiate Invitational. As a sophomore, she had a stroke average of 72.1 and four top 10s. During the summer of 2021, she made it to match play at the U.S. Women's Am and placed second at the Sea Island Amateur. During this summer, she qualified for the U.S. Women's Open, played in the ShopRite LPGA Classic, was co-medalist of the stroke play for the U.S. Women's Am, and came in second place in the Sea Island Amateur. I know a little bit about you, and obviously you've played in a lot of different events, but let's start at the beginning. Walk us through your junior progression and what that was like. Yeah, so I was gifted a set of clubs from my grandparents for Christmas. Um, started taking lessons when I was seven and kind of built my swing out of nothing, but it was more just keeping my interest there. Um, fifth grade summer, I got a call from the LCA high school golf coach. He was like, hey, here, your daughter's interested in golf. Like, have her come out. And I thought that was like big time. And so I was super excited. Shot 127 at Battlefield, and I was like, like I loved it. It was my first time playing 18 holes. I thought I was amazing. Um, but from then on, I kind of dropped every other sport and stuck with it. And high school golf became something really close to my heart. It was, it was cool. And I know, like college coaches, that's not necessarily what they're looking at. But it was amazing, and I developed so many friendships that really made me love golf and probably brought me here today. That makes sense. So, uh, your first round 18 holes competitive 127, and you kept practicing, kept getting better. What was that growth like for you? How did you get better? Cause by the time you get to the end of high school, you've won a state championship as an individual, you won a couple as a team, uh, you've won the Kentucky girls junior am, uh, qualified for the 2019 girls junior PGA. That's a far stretch from that round of battlefield. Uh, what was that growth like? Yeah. Um, obviously there was some mechanical stuff. Like my swing got better. I got stronger, um, started working out a little bit and spending time with Marky D. Um, but I also, I was really into competitions. My dad was good at making practice fun. We'd go up there and sometimes we would, like, I I love animals. And so he would put an animal on the line. He said, first time you shoot even, I'm going to get you a sheep. And so I got a sheep when I shot even. I was over at uh, 
golf club in the bluegrass. Like I still remember all these. Um, my first tournament, my first big tournament win came at all state. I was a freshman and I didn't know where I stood, but I think I was, I was a couple over having one of my better rounds going to the 18th hall. And my dad was like, Hey, if you bury this hall, I'll get you a pig. I was like, Oh my gosh. <laughs> and I had like a 10 footer and I made it. I still like, I don't know. But my dad told my mom as I was about to hit it, he was like, oh, this is for a pig. And she was not happy. But we get in, I shoot 74, sign my scorecard, and then I find out it was for the win. And I still don't know if my dad knew that there's that much riding on it. But he he was really good at making it fun and special. And, I mean, obviously there didn't have to be a live animal on the line, but it was motivating at the time. <laughs> when you're playing in those types of events, you get your first win did that make you feel more confident? Um, did you feel better after that type of stuff going on to play more and more events? Cause you won a good amount in high school. Oh yeah. That first one was a big one. Um, it was at Woodson bend over in Western Kentucky. And I had seen like girls I looked up to win it and move on to do well in college. And I was like, Oh my gosh, like, like that one was up there for me. And then to find out I won it without even really realizing it was definitely a big confidence booster and taught me that I can shoot a score close to par, which goes a long way in high school golf. And the the team kept growing around me and it was, it that one definitely kickstarted it, but it got really fun after that because lower scores came and more wins came with it. And yeah. <laughs> Tell us a little about your team experience. What did you, what's your best memory of being with your team in high school golf? Cause it sounds like that was an integral time for you. Uh, it's something that really is hard to replicate. Mm -hmm. So there were some coaching shifts in middle school, but once high school came, the older girls had mostly graduate graduated and we had a really young team. Um, it was me and Sarah Harper, Emily Sparks, and Delia Gibbs, and then Mary Keen Mars. And we were like the solid five, and my dad was the coach. And it was just the sweetest group of girls, and everybody loved everybody. There was no drama whatsoever. Like, it, it, was, it was really neat to see everybody pull for each other um, because everybody's also playing for the individual win, too but there was nothing but happiness when somebody succeeded. And I think one thing we can credit that to my dad had everybody, we would get in a circle and he'd be like, look to the person on your right, you're praying for them today. And so every hole we would check, we would write down our scores. And then on the scorecard, we'd put a check mark if we had prayed for that person. And I really think that helped to shift the focus off of ourselves. And, but also like God's powerful and he really blessed our high school season. That's really cool. Um, I'd never heard that story before. Um, as we know, you grew up on Keen Trace, um, just right of hole six. Mm -hmm. Talk a little bit about how that helped your development. Um, just being out there, you know, you could practice whenever you wanted to get out on the course, take lessons whenever you wanted to. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that was big. Um, having my coach on the course was really cool and I got to spend plenty of time with him to really refine my skill and learn and get playing lessons but 
one of my favorite things is going out on the course like late at night and I can play 18 holes in just over an hour. And that's really helped me lately because it's so, it's so dang hot and the course is crowded in the middle of the day. And so nobody's out there at night and I can get a full day's worth of practice in, in an hour. Not saying I don't practice more than that, but, um, and then I just like going out onto one green on the course or five green and chipping and putting around it and coming up with games to that one hole, trying to see how many you can chip in or something like that. There's a lot of options for creativity being that close to the course. I'm really blessed to be here. Very cool. And as you said, you kind of got that experience in high school, got to practice more. You still have that experience now. And you had that round where you shot 74, got your first win at the All-State. Um, tell us a little bit about the improvement from there, because by 2018, uh, you want, you came in second in the Golf Week Tour Championship, shot 69, 76, 70. So those are some rounds under par. Prior to that, you won at Cherry Blossom in a Golf Week event, shooting 67, 67. It, a lot of times when you shoot scores that are that good, it, you get uncomfortable uh, being that mm -hmm. under par, how did you a develop the skill to get there and then b get comfortable being under par? Cause when you're five under par, it's hard not to know that you're five under par. Mm -hmm. That's a good question. Um, I'm honestly not super sure how to answer it. It kind of just came like when golf is coming easy, you got to try your best not to wonder why it's coming easy. Um, just take it as it comes. And I, I really don't know what that development looked like, but it's really fun shooting low scores. And <laughs> I guess that makes it a little easier if you realize, if you take a step back and be like, hey, it's no big deal. It's a lot more fun shooting 67 than 76. Like, let's keep it going. Um, yeah, and my best rounds ever, I just, I guess I just try to keep making birdies. I had someone recently tell me a technique is, this guy on tour, I can't remember his name, but his mentality is just one more. And he's known for shooting like absurdly low rounds and often, but he also will post a high number every now and then. And so I guess that kind of goes to say he's a little more aggressive than most if he's always just asking for one more birdie. But I don't know if that's what I adopted back then. I'm working on it now and I kind of like it, but yeah. I mean, the scores will come as you practice and get better. Kind of building off that, I'm kind of curious, do you set goals? Um, like say, okay, I want to qualify for the U.S. Women's Am this year, or I want to win a college tournament this year, or do you just tee it up, play the best you can and see what happens? I don't write down my goals anywhere. I probably should. It helped keep myself accountable. I've been told to. Um, but I definitely internally have some goals playing in the AM last year. I almost expected myself to qualify this year and it was actually a lot more stressful than I would have guessed it would be. Um, but like that was absolutely a goal. And I, I don't think you go and play in a tournament without having the intention of doing well. So I would say every tournament I go to is a, goal of its own like yeah I, I want to win this week I mean that's why I'm in the field right um but I I I don't write them down I should a recent goal of mine has been to get into the Augusta women's amateur 
And I don't have that written down anywhere, but I mean, it's definitely a goal of mine. That's a good one to get into, um, for sure. And one of the things, uh, that you seem to have been focused on and are focused on is the process. You had a quote from, I think a couple of years ago, uh, you said when asked, when asked about, uh, I think it was qualifying for the women's AM, you have to just stick to the process. You hit fairways and greens and then hope putts will fall. If you believe in that and can just stay committed to the process, then you'll be good. Is that something that you still hold on to and take with you week to week? Um, I'd say I've gotten a little bit more relaxed in a sense. Um, I'm not freaking out if I don't hit fairways or greens because I've practiced and my game should be good enough to post a decent score. If I'm not hitting the fairways and greens, it'll be easier if I'm playing that boring golf that everybody wants, but like I, I can score out of the rough. I can chip one in here and there. Um, so I guess I'm not as strict by that, but I think I'm more strict in my practice and you want to check all the boxes so that you're able to score when you're not hitting fairways and greens and hoping the putts don't, or the hoping the putts do fall. What does being strict in practice look like? Um, so I've recently been taught within the last year to divide your practice up into thirds. So say you're on a range and you have 75 golf balls. The first 25 should be technique, like whatever you're working on. I've recently been working on laying off the club a little bit more and getting my right elbow in and kind of coming down on the same, same kind of plane. Like obviously there's some room for air up there, but I, I drop it down a lot at the top. Um, and it over does my draw, but that's besides the point. So the first 25, you're focusing on that. Um, take videos there if you want, whatever. The next 25, you're working on shaping the shot. You've done your technique work, so that'll kind of bleed its way into shaping your shot without you actually being like, okay, get your elbow into the position. Um, that can look like doing it to multiple different pins, or you can be like, hey, I want this starting right and coming back a little bit left. I like to hit a draw. And you do that for all 25 of them, whatever you feel like you need. And then the next 25, in your mind, you have to build up the situation. Be like, okay, this is to get us to match play in SECs. Like my team's, I see them back there on 18 green at Greystone. Like like build it up in your mind because that's how you're going to do well when you actually have to perform under pressure is by practicing like the pressure's there. Um, and that works with chipping, putting, like everything. I, before the open, I was really into the short putts being like, this is in the open. Like I, this is to make the cut. This is like, whatever. And I missed a couple, but like the ones that I missed, they weren't like, oh dang, she should have made that. Like there was some movement to it, you know, but it definitely calmed my nerves a little bit when I was in the competition. And it's that, it's that last little section of balls that I don't always do. And I'm really trying to work on because I think that's how you translate it better into tournament play. You mentioned that you practice, you know, building it up in your head and trying to go through your pre-shot routine and a sit and, you know, kind of a situation on the course, on the range. When you're in a tournament and you're trying to hit a shot in a tense situation like that, what do you tell yourself um, when you're going through your pre-shot routine? I'm really working on the visual of it. And 
if it's a putt, then I definitely go back. I've got a three, four, five footer drill that I do a lot. And that's where I can see nerves show up more. And I'm like, I've literally made tens of thousands of these probably. Like, why am I nervous about this? And and everything else is just noise. I really try to remind myself of that often, which sometimes when the noise is loud, it's hard to tune it out. But it's literally just golf. It could be my nighttime rounds when I'm closing down the course. And it's the same kind of stuff that I'm doing when the pressure's on. So I work hard to remind myself of it. I'm definitely not always perfect and the noise gets in sometimes, but when I am able to remind myself of it, it, I'm better for it. Have you worked with any mental coaches? Not really. I spent some time with one. Um, Most of my coaches throughout my time working with them has kind of doubled as a mental coach for me. And that's kind of been all I really wanted and needed which not to say down the line, I won't want or need more, but so far I feel like my mind's in a good spot when I play golf. You have a very well-adjusted attitude, especially for someone who's 20 years old uh, and played in a lot of what you've played in. Going back to getting into college, I can remember it. Obviously in high school, you're really good, uh, world-class. You were, I think, 124th in golf week rankings and maybe, um, sorry, 87th overall in the golf week junior rankings and 24th in your class, uh, which is high honors. And going into college, a lot of times there can be pressure, there can be a drop off. And that's not really something that happened to you as far as from what I could tell. Um, you played in, I think it was the blessings was the first event that you played in and finished T6 in that, which is a top tier event with top tier competition and you finished the year with a stroke average of 73.5 which led the team what was it like going to college and was that jump that difficult uh as far as translating your game from what you've been playing into that environment the jump to college was a little bit more difficult than i would have expected uh even going 15 minutes from home it's still, it was emotional for me. I like, like, I don't want to grow up. I I loved high school golf and I didn't really have expectations for college golf, but I, I didn't have bad ones, but I also didn't have good ones. Like I, I wanted to keep playing high school golf. It was where I was comfortable and I loved it, but time moves on. Um, that first tournament was a special one. Uh, we didn't know if we were going to have a season when we find out we, when we found out we did, We had like six qualifying rounds within a week and a half. And there were a lot of tears during that. I didn't play too great, but thankfully the whole team struggled. (laughs) So I was able to like claim one of the last spots and I was just thankful to be there, but I definitely had some major anxiety going into it. Um, I didn't know how I'd rank up. I didn't know, like I, I didn't know what to expect from it. And Once I got out there, it was weird. You're playing with your whole team in a fivesome. And the rounds took like seven hours because that course is brutal. But once I got out there, you realize, I mean, it's just golf. Like, it's the same thing I've been doing since I was seven years old. And I just got that set of clubs. And, yeah, it seems like it's a little bit bigger of a stage. There's some TV cameras out there. But it's still, it's the same game that I've been playing for 10 years at this point. Like, why is why are we putting this one on such a higher pedestal? It's not that much tougher. 
That makes sense. And jumping farther into that, you finish that year with two top 10, two top 20s, and then next year, so last year, had a stroke average of uh, 72.1. Um, you tied for fourth of the UCF challenge, four top 10s, five top 20s. Have you felt like there's been any sort of jump in the past year, getting that one season under your belt uh, and then playing last year, uh, taking that experience with you? Yeah. So like I said, or I mentioned it a little bit earlier, my freshman year was interesting. It was all SEC schedule and SEC's up there for the toughest conference out there. So I, sophomore season almost seemed a little bit more relaxed and like a lesser competition. Not really. Cause I mean, we're still playing really tough tournaments and an individual wins really hard to come by, but I felt very well prepared having that freshman year that was so tough. And that summer between your freshman and sophomore year, you also played, you got to match playing the U S women's am you got, you placed second in the first sea Island amateur playing in some of those events with different cop, different competition than sec seeing your game stack up from them. What did you learn playing in, especially like the U S women's am obviously a big event, and that can be a little intimidating walking into a place like that because, uh, frankly, like people at almost all the USAM events, a little uptight. Uh, you, you can feel it in the air. It's, there's a little bit formality everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't have the right badges. You're not going to the right place. It doesn't matter who you are. Um, what, was, what was that like and what did you take away from it? Yeah, I was kind of clueless going into it. Um, I remember in the qualifier – I knew I had a decent for not this year, last year's. I had like a two shot cushion, but I still have this one and a half footer. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like I want to make sure I'm secure. Cause I had built up the am in my mind while I'm playing the qualifier because it's human nature. We make it bigger than it needs to be. But then once I got there, I was kind of like, oh, like I wasn't disappointed or anything. It's still awesome. But I was like, I've played against a bunch of these girls before, but there's other ones. But like, I, I didn't really pay attention to what the cut was going to be at. I kind of just went out and tried to play golf. I remember they, it started with the, the first hole was a par three, and that really caught me off guard. I don't know why, but, like, that was one of my big takeaways from the first two rounds. I was like, when am I going to have to – because you start on one one day and ten on the next. And I was like, which day am I going to have to start on the par three? Like, that's kind of weird. <laughs> um, but that's about all I remembered from the stroke play portion of it. And then – my two teammates were in the, they were, there was a 12 for two playoff to get the last two spots. And I was like, Oh dang, like they want this bad. I made it easy on myself. Cause I didn't really know, but like, this is important and it's crazy. It was such a God thing, but the two of them got the two spots and I was there to watch and I realized how big of a deal it was. So usually when we do these interviews, I ask someone about, you know, the strength of their game. And usually I've played with them a bunch. I know what their strength is from the times that I've played with you. Um, I can't really identify a weakness. If you do have a weakness in your game, what would you say it would be? I'm not going to call it a weakness, but I've definitely been spending more time on my short game and putting as of lately, driving ball, striking distance all comes pretty easy to me. I feel like my mind's gotten to be in a pretty good spot and I've, can work my way around the course pretty well. 
So just getting more comfortable with different short game situations and having a go-to chip shot, like a technique. Hey, I've got a 15 yard pitch. Like I've got a technique for this, you know? Um, and then I've been spending a lot of time putting. Would you say that's, that's something that you've had to improve because you're playing on these bigger, bigger tournaments on tougher courses, or has that kind of been something that you've always had to work on? It's been highlighted in the bigger tournaments on bigger courses. I don't know the exact stats, but like at the open, they did shot link and strokes gain for me. And I want to say I lost seven shots a day to the field with short game and putting, which is just mind blowing, Uh, (laughs) which to be honest, it's most scary because I didn't feel like it was that, that bad. Like, obviously, there's room for improvement. That just means you hit it really well because I don't think you were too far off the cut line there. Um, I I shot five over, four over. Um, I had a couple big holes that cost me. But, yeah, I was, I was hitting it pretty well. Um, and obviously, shot link doesn't show everything. It just shows from the fairway a 15 yard shot, like you got it this close and then you missed the putt. Um, so there was bad lies involved and tough breaks that make that number a little bit higher than it is. But yeah, that was, it really pointed to me that I needed to improve that. Um, and also just practicing it because like I said earlier, like that shorter motion is where the nerves show up more for me at least. So the more I practice, the more I'm going to feel prepared and that situation isn't going to scare me as much. Let's talk a little bit about that preparation there and specifically about the U.S. Women's Open. You played in that this summer. Talk to us about the qualifier, your preparation for the qualifier, and then going to that Open and what preparation was like for that and how it felt after you got out there. So preparation for the qualifier... I, qualifiers just bring out a different kind of nerves. There's there's more pressure there because you want to go to the tournament. Like you've got to travel for the qualifier. And, and like if you don't make it through, you're like, oh, like why did I come up here in the first place, you know? Um, I wish I could be able to look at it as great experience either way. But there's definitely a little, I don't know, the vibe at a qualifier isn't as good as at a normal tournament. So I was just trying to, get rock solid on those short putts. So they weren't really in question at the qualifier because my ball striking was in a really good spot going into it. And it stayed in a really good spot during it. I think, I don't even remember what I shot. I think I was around one under through two days or the two eighteens, And I, I can't even begin to estimate how many shots I lost based on short game because I've never hit it that well in my life. I don't know what was going on. Um, but it was really interesting. We were the first group off and we were doing threesomes and we had a withdrawal in our group. And so we were in a twosome. I was with this sweet girl. She played quick and we were moving through the course. Uh, I can think I had a tough start, but kind of got it to one under on the first 18. And then the next 18, we got through 17 holes. And there were a couple weather delays and the break in between rounds through the way. And they called it. And so I had to come back and play 18, which was kind of a long par four into the wind, which was really wet because it rained so much. 
And that's not the hole you want to go to sleep and think you might need a par on. I didn't look at the leaderboard that night. I had people texting me because they saw where I was at. And I was like, don't tell me anything. I don't want to know. <laughs> I'm doing okay not knowing. I had a caddy. A good friend of mine had flown up, but he also had to fly back that next morning. So my dad had to fill in for his spot. And so my dad and I played 18. I made this six-foot putt. I had to play it. I kept outside the hole. I'm still amazed it went in. And then we went back to the to the play to our hotel and packed it up and came back. And I it didn't look like they were gonna come down to me. The other people they were out on the course, they were at like three under, four under, and I there might have been there were three spots. There might have there was somebody else that was already in. And I think it was the three under dropped to one. And I was like, Oh my gosh, Dad, we have a playoff. And so I went, I was going to roll a couple putts. I hadn't swung a club in like three hours. And they're like, no, we need you on the team now. And I was like, oh, shoot. Okay. And so I didn't get any sort of warm up for the playoff. Missed my drive a little left. I'm in the rough. The other girl, it's a par five reachable. She gets it up there close to the green. I have to lay up. The wet rough is just not going to let me hit a hybrid out of it. And I lay up. And I mean, again, it was such a God thing. I had the perfect number. And hit it to a couple inches, took the question out of the short putt, and the other girl didn't get up and down. So I I still, like, I'm almost getting goosebumps and teary talking about it. But it was just such a cool experience to get through that qualifier in that kind of way. Like, I used to, before that, I probably wouldn't say I'm the most clutch person ever. And maybe I wasn't. I just got lucky with a wedge number. Maybe that's all it was. But that was a big confidence booster. I was like, well, shoot, that was really fun. And like, I came out on top. Like, that's like, puff out your chest a little bit, you know, like, that's pretty cool. Um, but I really think it was all a God thing that I missed it in the rough and had to lay up to my good number. And I hit it to a couple inches. Like, there's so much that could go wrong there. Um, but then for the open, the preparation was a little bit more mindful, lots of that short putting drill. Like this is to make the cut, like I said earlier, um, trying to dial in my swing as much as possible. My coach had me talking to people that had been in that high pressure situation before, and he's a caddy on tour. So he knows that high pressure situation pretty well. Um, so I felt prepared going into it, but Nothing will prepare you for those nerves. That is a big situation to be in, but you played in that this summer. You also played in the LPGA, the ShopRite Classic. What was it like? I know we talked about the USAM when you went there. You were like, oh, I've played I've played against a lot of these people. Like, I'm familiar with them. I'm not out of my element. How did it feel to play in those events where you might have played with some of those people as well, but there's a lot more that you hadn't played with mm-hmm. and a lot more that you uh, hadn't been with, at least in that context. Yeah, that that was definitely a piece of it. And I want to play professional golf. So I wanted to go out there and prove my worth. Um, that was probably the biggest piece of the nerves besides actually like, oh, I'm, this is the U.S. Open, like on the tee now in the – whatever U S open, like 
I mean, hearing your name announced right there is pretty crazy. But that competition, it's different because everybody's out there playing for their livelihood. I mean, it's their job. And I'm just out there. I can't, like, I can't make any money from it, right? So if you look at it like that, it's a little bit less pressure. But, yeah, I think for me the biggest part was that's where I want to be in a few years. And so I want to see how I rank up, size up. Um, I had a lot of people that week and the week after the caddies for the players and they were telling me, Hey, like you're good enough. Keep fighting, keep working. You'll make it on here. We'll see you out here one day, which was super kind of them and encouraging to me because obviously I didn't make the cut in either one of them. Um, but I consider both of those wins because my ball striking held up. I know I need to work on my short game. Um, yeah, if that doesn't answer your question, you can ask it again. No, that was perfect. Earlier you were talking about how you talked to a PJ Tour caddy um, about, you know, being in those high pressure situations. We We know that you've done some work with Ted Scott. How did you get hooked up with him and what are some of the main things that you guys have worked on so it was probably like five or six years ago keen trace had a bible study and ted is a major believer and he came up to be like the speaker for the last one he's from louisiana and he stayed with us i think the guy leading the bible study was a friend of my dad's and he was just awesome and he knew i played golf and really spent some time with me just kind of getting to know me I think we went out and played a couple holes but I thought he was really cool um and he is really cool he's an awesome guy awesome guy but I didn't ever think he'd become my coach and then about a year ago I reached out to him saying hey like can we work together and he was like yeah come on down and it was actually the tournament the PGA tournament down at Sedgefield he was working for Bubba at the time and he was like, yeah, come on down. We'll give it a trial and error. Like see if you like me, if we can work well together. And it was really great. He's so positive and encouraging and makes me feel like I'm doing the right stuff. Um, he, it, we've worked more on the mental side of it and course management and, strategies he sees the best players in the world adopting um he's taught me some games to play like there's this game patrick reed plays all the time where you go out and if you hit it on the green in regulation it's a one-shot penalty and playing that game has really made me work on my short game because not only are you learning where you want to miss it if you have to miss the green if you're out of position but then you got to go and get it up and down to or chip it in if you want to birdie like it's tough to score in it, but it's really good preparation. And he's taught me plenty of stuff like that and drills that he sees. He's working with Scotty Scheffler now, drills that he sees him doing. And he's taught me breathing techniques he's learned from Bryson. And he's just well-respected on tour. So he gets info from the best players and kind of guides me along as I'm trying to make it on tour one day. That is all really, really cool stuff. I have a couple mm -hmm. questions from that. First of all, I'd like you to go deeper into some of that course strategy um, stuff that he's mm -hmm. been working on with you. 
And then um, also would like to hear about the breathing techniques. Yeah. So the core strategy, he just kind of dumbs it down, says, well, your strength of the game is ball striking. Like you can pull off shots really often and you need to milk that for all it's worth. So he kind of takes, teaches me the tiger approach, like play well on the par fives. You got five easy birdies there. I mean, four easy birdies there. If you're hitting it well off the tee, which typically that's also a strength of my game. And so take advantage of those. Don't do anything stupid and add up the numbers quickly. Like don't have a blow up pole. You can avoid those pretty well. Like get back into position if you need to make a bogey if you need to. Um, and then lag putt him to death. He said, that's one thing that's made Scotty great is he grew up on a course in Dallas and the practice screen is just super undulated and he would just spend hours out there messing around as a little kid. And it's really developed his touch into what it is now. And I remember, I think it was at Bay Hill. It was it a second win. He like lagged it from 75 feet to a couple inches knowing that that was for the win. And I was like, Oh my gosh, like that touch is unbelievable. But then you realize, Hey, I mean, he's literally been doing it since he was a child. Like he should be good at that. Um, so it is, it's kind of course management as far as simplifying it. Like it kind of goes back to hitting the fairways and greens, which we know we can survive if not, but try and hit the fairways and greens and surprise yourself by making a few lags and surprise yourself by missing a couple towards the hole. And I mean, it makes golf pretty easy when you think about it like that. Um, and then the breathing techniques, he didn't really go into the techniques with me. This was kind of recent, but he said, Bryson goes up to high altitude area and trains his breathing. And so I guess that teaches his lungs to, or I guess belly breaths to be more efficient. And I just thought that was really interesting. Um, obviously I haven't been able to get to somewhere high enough altitude to work on that, but if I ever find myself in Colorado, I'm going to be breathing through the nose. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> um, and those, that, uh, course management he's taught you, uh, mirrors a lot of things that we've heard from great players. And that is kind of that tiger approach, which is playing aggressively to, uh, some conservative targets and, making the most of what you can out of things and minimizing those mistakes. Mm -hmm. When it comes to mistakes, it's easy for nerves to cause you to make mistakes. What tournament have you felt the most nerves in and how did you react or manage those nerves? Blessings was up there. I was really nervous going into it. I didn't know what to expect, but they weren't really bad nerves. They were just like, kind of excited, kind of like, oh my gosh, like what have I gotten myself into? But freshman year SECs, they were pretty bad nerves. Um, it wasn't the beneficial kind. They had me teary the whole week leading up to it. Like I was, I was just nervous. We had, we had put that tournament up on a pedestal as a team. And I think we learned from it, but I mean, I didn't have to like, obviously you want to go along with what the team's teaching you, but I didn't have to take it to heart if I had known it was going to end up hurting me. Um, so I was lucky enough. My coach realized that I was so nervous. I mean, 
it's kind of hard to miss when your player's kind of crying on the range. But um, she walked with me like the whole entire first round and really helped me simplify it down. Like you hit the tee shot, like you know how to hit a tee shot, hit the next shot. Like, and I still, I don't realize, I don't think I have ever found out exactly what made me so nervous that week, but trying to simplify it down as best as you can. And looking back, like, it's literally just a golf tournament. We didn't do too hot in it. Uh, big deal. Like, I think everybody else has forgotten about it except for me because I built it up so big in my mind. When you've gotten to the end of those situations, like, not just that, but playing in these, quote-unquote, bigger events, as you've talked about, it sounds like you've gotten to the end of them and looked back and been like, or been there and said, you know, this isn't that big of a deal has being in those events, uh, winning those tournaments after it's been done, has it felt as good as you thought it would feel? My, my only real win came at the die junior the summer before college started. And that one, that one was pretty solid. It was a needed confidence boost. Um, and yeah, I didn't, like I didn't have my ego riding on it or anything to where I'd be shocked if I hadn't have won. But that one was a nice confidence boost going into college. Kind of there's some of the better juniors in the country there. And that one made me feel pretty good. But then like at the blessings, that was almost a win for me. Not because I almost won it, but because it was a pretty big success when I wasn't really expected to do well. Um, and that one, probably not so much because it's like oh sixth place big deal like we got another tournament coming up you know put your head down and keep working i get that and that goes to something that we like to ask a lot about which is how do you evaluate a tournament after you're done what do you do to determine if it was a success because in blessings there you're like you know that's a that's kind of a success you can't win every tournament and that's just the nature of golf and especially even if you're playing some of your best stuff a lot of times something else can happen where you're not going to win. How do you, one, determine if a tournament is a success, two, analyze like your play during that tournament and learn mm-hmm. from it? If I keep my attitude and my mind right, it's a success because something's going to be learned from it. If I can't keep my mind and my attitude right, then I might not learn anything from it. And at that point, I shouldn't have even played. Um, I think you all have probably heard you win or you learn. But those two can go hand in hand and you don't see it too often or I haven't seen it too often because winning's tough. But like, I think you can learn in every single tournament that you play in and that's what makes it a success. I know I learned a ton this summer so far. Um, so I, I try to go through and see where I lost shots, having as much grace with myself as possible. Like, because stuff happens and it could be a mud ball. It could be misjudging your lie. It could be, Oh, the wind gusted. Like it can be totally out of your control, but it could also be, Hey, when the grain, when you're kind of close to a level putt, the grain can be going opposite of the way the green's growing. Like you, you don't have to always only look at the break and assume the grain's going to grow that way. Like stuff like that. I, I learned that from sea Island. Um, Stuff like that should always be learned from a tournament when you can, because 
that's how you're going to be better for the next time. Um, at the open, I hit a good shot and got a bad break and really dwelt on it for too long. And I, I was even going to that point through 13 and I really wish I hadn't, but I learned from it and hopefully I just take the blows a little better next time and recognize, I mean, it's not life or death. Like you got a bad break, made a double move on with it. There's still time. So building on that reflection process, do you journal um, after tournaments or, or even a practice journal? I, I should, I've been told to, but I really struggle with journaling. Same here. (laughs) Is it having just to write something down, especially when you've practiced a lot or gone through the tournament, you have it so fresh in your mind. Uh, you can easily pull out those key takeaways. Uh, so it doesn't feel as necessary. I think it's that. And like, I wish I would write down every single second from the open. Like that was such a cool experience. I, it makes me so sad that it's over. Hopefully it's not the last one. Um, but like, yeah, I wish I would journal everything. Cause I think there's benefit to it, but the day's over. I'm tired. I want to go to bed. Like, I don't want to sit down and write in a journal, but I really should. If, even if I don't learn from it, like 50 years from now, I'm going to wish I had a journal of everything going on right now. One thing we haven't touched on earlier, you were talking about working with Mark. Um, can you go a little more into what you do for workouts, how that has helped you um, become a better golfer? You know, you're getting stronger. You touched on how your driving is, uh, you know, one of your biggest strengths. Do you do speed work, just strength work? Um, yeah. So first of all, I'm just a flexible person. Like I was, that's a gift of mine. I might be too flexible, honestly. Um, but yeah, all through middle school and high school, I w- worked with Mark DiNardo, called him Marky D. Uh, that was great. Awesome preparation for college. Um, tons of my teammates get injured and a lot of it's from the weight room. So I would recommend everybody does some sort of strength training before college to avoid those injuries. Because like when I say everybody's injured, like everybody's injured and I've been lucky enough to not have to deal with any of that. Um, as far as in college, I think the workouts Donardo does prepares you really well because you do like a little bit of a warm up, something explosive to the start. And then you'll do like, the main lift, which is either for us a bench press or a back squat. And then you do accessories off of that. And that's like rows or uh, glute bridges, like lesser strain activities or exercises, but you're still building strength with them. And normally, I mean, I feel the most sore from those accessories that we do. And then we end with some stretching just trying to kind of prevent soreness from it. But I really think the biggest aspect for my sake of speed training has been like working on the quicker movements, like doing the box jumps and the med ball throws and slams and whatever that looks like. Cause you're really training. There's quick twitch muscle fibers that you're working on when you do that. And even back squats can help to train those. If you do it with a little bit lighter weight and you make sure you're really explosive on the way up. And that's where, you get speed from in your swing and you need strength to go with it because you can't be all quick twitch, but that's 
that's been, I can swing it faster than I should be able to based on my build. And I think those workouts are a large, large piece of that. That's a good thing to have in the tool bag. And when you go on tournaments and take trips, what kind of workouts are you doing uh, in the hotels you're staying at uh, to not just uh, get stronger, but a lot of those cases, it's more just to maintain and to make sure that uh, you're adequately warmed up? Um, I don't. I don't do too much. I'm supposed to do a little bit more. Like the whole team, we've got a pre-round rollout thing. Like we got a rollout kit and there's just some really light motions that, like I said, like I've been blessed and part of it's probably for marketing. Part of it's just the way I've been built. I'm more flexible, um, but I don't really need a super strong warm up. Like I just take some easy swings on the range. I usually go chipping green, then range, then putting. And I kind of work my way up. I get the hands activated by chipping and then I go and hit some wedges until I get to the full wedges. And then, by then I'm pretty loose. I don't, I don't need to do the little bit of a light band workout that some of my teammates do. That makes sense. Well, the last question we ask all of our guests is now you're older, you're smarter. If you go back to yourself as a junior golfer, tell yourself one thing what would it be? Hmm. I think I'd say take it easy on yourself. Um, like I wasn't too hard on myself and I'm so blessed to have a great support group and people that want the best for me that reminded me of that. But like it, it really, that stuff doesn't matter. If you're meant to make it, you're going to make it like it's all going to happen in its own time. And God's wills infinitely better than what we could imagine or draw up for ourselves. So there's really no point in stressing over it. And then also something I've recently learned, you mentioned Ted Scott earlier, but he's telling me a lot about the confidence piece. Um, just faking confidence, like walk up there with a little bit of swagger, even if you finish dead last in your last tournament, like walking up there with a little pep in your step, kind of puffing out the chest, lifting your chin up is worth so much than I could ever imagine. Those are both good things to take away. And that's a theme that a lot of our guests have said when they look back is, you know, just enjoy it. They wish they'd enjoyed it a little bit more because it's hard to, hard to get those times back. Actually, it's impossible. Um, we appreciate it a ton. If people are trying to reach out to you, get in contact with you on social media, what's the best way? Uh, I'm on Instagram. I'm, it's at Laney Fry 11, I think. But like I don't have any posts. Occasionally I'll do a story. <laughs> um and then I'm on Twitter too, but I hardly ever get on there. So yeah, text me. <laughs> Excellent. Thanks for joining us today. Please do us a big favor and like and subscribe on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts so we can help others learn how to play better tournament golf. You can find us online at thetournamentcode.com, on Instagram at the tournament code and on Twitter at Tournament Code. As always, feel free to reach out to us at those places or email us at daniel at thetournamentcode.com and cooper at thetournamentcode.com. We hope you join us as we continue to dive deeper into what it takes to play elite tournament golf.